One of my favorite books is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. In the book, he tells a story about when he's a kid. Uh, at night, sometimes he would have these toothaches, and uh, he knew his mom had medicine that would help him feel better, but he wouldn't tell his mom about his toothache because he knew if his mom found out, the next day she would take him to the dentist. And at the dentist, um, the dentist wouldn't just deal with that one tooth, but would look at all the other teeth. And he was so against, you know, dealing with the dentist and dealing with looking at all the other teeth that he didn't want to have any issues with, that he would resist uh, talking to his mom about the pain in his tooth. And I, for me, sometimes, you know, that analogy that, that when God enters our life, when Jesus comes in and he looks at us, he's not just going to look at the one area we want him to deal with, um, that, that thing that we feel guilty about, that thing that we're struggling with. He's not just going to look at that one area. He's going to look at the rest of our lives. And today we're going to look into that and, and see that in light of who God is and his glory and how, how he knows everything about us, how can we be in relationship? How can we be all in in that relationship with him? And so as we d dive into scripture and we look at the book of James, that's what we're going to be looking at today. And uh, as you saw in the beginning of our service, Tom Gaskin is moving on, and, and I'm so excited for Tom. But this illustration of, of being all in, willing God to come in and, and look at every part of your life and, and being faithful and obedient, I've seen that demonstrated in Tom and his wife Erica's life and their obedience to follow God wherever he sends them. And so I would, I would encourage you to be praying for them. We're going to be praying for them. We're going to miss them. What an amazing uh, family that we've had as part of our family here at Gayton. When I was in college, uh, I was asked to, to speak to a group of, of young men about this idea of living out your faith and, and what it means to live out your faith and, and to be genuine about it. And after the, the message, I had one of the leaders pull me to the side and he said, Mike, you know, do you really believe all that stuff? Do you really believe what you're saying? Is this true about you? And I remember it kind of caught me off guard thinking, you know, why would he ask this question? Why would he think this isn't something legitimate about my own life? And and he began to tell me that a lot of times they have people that come in and speak about these things or, or people will, will, will say these things that they, they say they believe, but in reality, their lives don't match up. Their actions don't match up and their deeds don't match up. And so uh, I took that to heart and I thought about that question my whole life. Is this really what I believe? How does my faith really impact me and who I am? And during this time of quarantine, I think it's, it's a unique opportunity for us to slow down and, and stop and think about where our faith is. What do I have faith in today? What do you have faith in today? Where am I placing my faith? Uh, just to, to think about this in a different way, uh, I would encourage you, on a scale of one, zero actually, to ten, zero being your faith has no impact on your life, which other, and you, you don't even see yourself as someone who has a faith, to someone who would say, I'm a ten, I'm all in on my faith, I think it's helpful for us as we come into God's word and, and read his, his words that are to speak to our heart to really take assessment of where we are in our lives and, and what we truly believe and how that, that belief affects our, us and our actions. And so right now, before we pray, I would encourage you, where you are, where do you find yourself? If you were to be honest with yourself, uh, where, where would you place yourself on that scale? You know, as, as we come out of this quarantine, we're going to have new opportunities to set new agendas, new calendars, new rhythms to our lives. And my encouragement to you, and, and my encouragement that I'm challenging myself with is, is how can I be more all in on my faith 
as we go through this time and as we come out of this time. And so this morning, how does your faith impact your life? How does your faith impact your life? And before we go to the, the, the passage in James, let's precede it with prayer, if you'd pray with me. Father, you are awesome and you are good and you are genuine. You are all in for us all the time. And you say that you seek us and you desire for us to worship. You desire us to glorify you. You desire us to, to be a part of your family. And so, Lord, this morning as we talk about, you know, our faith uh, and we talk about how genuine it is or, or where we struggle, I pray that you would give us grace and mercy that you would speak lovingly into our hearts and encourage us to move forward. And if there are areas where we've stumbled and, and we've been challenged, that you would uh, give us wisdom on how to move forward in a, in a healthy way. Lord, I pray that you would unify, unify us in yourself today, that you would grow us, mature us, help us to be a reflection of you. And Lord, help us to be all in. Help us to give everything we have and, and knowing that, that we don't earn your love, but by living for you, we show our love for you. And, and Lord, I want to do that so desperately. And I pray, Lord, that you place that on our hearts today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue in our James study. And if you've missed any of it, you can go back and, and watch it. Uh, we've been uh, actually also going through a study online through Right Now Media with Francis Chan and, and just seeing how, how God has worked through James to really encourage the people and the, and the followers of Christ of his time. And and it's unique to know that, that James, the author of what we're going to read here, lived in the very first real church, the real establishment of the church. The, he, Paul hadn't really written his letters yet, and so he's really um, kind of going out on this on his own. And you can see through his writing that he, he has such a passion for the Lord. And, and we know that Jesus was his actual brother, and so he knew him personally. He knew his message, and then he was also there to experience the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And so he is, he's so closely tied to what we're studying, what we're looking at here. And, and we can see his passion. We can see his desire for us to know these truths. And, and for us, as, if you're going to claim your faith, if you're putting your faith in Christ, if you're saying, I'm all in on Jesus, that he is my hope, he is my savior, then these are the things that need to be true about you. And just to kind of recap where we came from, starting in chapter 1, we were told, Consider it your pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. And, and James is talking about the 12 groups of people that have been sent out, and these are the followers of Christ. This is the church, and they're being persecuted, and he's saying, look, consider it joy. Change your perspective. Um, see that God is doing a great work in this, and he wants to do a great work within you. And, and he says, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be issues. There's going to be things we got to work with each other on. And he says, one of the keys to that is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to becoming angry. And that how we treat each other, how we listen to each other, how we value each other is so immensely important. He also says that he gives this analogy of looking into the mirror and then walking away and forgetting ourselves. And this idea that, that God, through his word, that it reveals things to us. It's this holy, perfect mirror that shows us who we are truly in reflection to who God is. And that sometimes we look into that. Actually, most of the time we look into that and, and we walk away and we're not totally changed. And that he's saying, we, we've got to learn to grow. We've got to learn to see ourselves for who we really are. We have to learn to see us ourselves for what, for what God wants to do in our lives. And then he says that religion that our Father, God our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so he's saying, look, 
um, you may have grown up in a structure where it was about if, if you do this and you don't do that then, and, and you, you come to these certain um, uh, sacred events that you're good with God. But the truth is God's looking for you to love people, that, that, that the way you worship God, the way that you show your love to God is how you love other people and especially people who have great need especially vulnerable people. And so our love for the world, our love for the people that have needs in the world is so vitally important. And then last week we looked at the idea that we're not to show favoritism, that, that we're not to look in, around and value some people over others, that that's not the way we're to live as followers of Christ. If we're all in in our faith, we're not to live that way. And then he concludes that with mercy triumphs over judgment and that God has mercy for us and, and that he desires for us to show mercy to other people. And so I would, I would culminate or I'd bring all of that together and say this. James is saying to the people of his time, and he's looking around and, and he's seeing people that claim to be followers of Christ. He's looking around, he's seeing people that say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that he is my only hope to God. He is my savior. He's saying, look, if that's what you believe, if that's what you claim about your life, then this needs to be true for you to be all into this message you to be all in with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. For you to love God that way, you got to love people that way. And so he's really passionate about this, and he wants us to understand that that is the core of the gospel, is understanding who God is in loving him and loving people in light of that. And so that leads us to today's passage as we look at James chapter 2, verse 14. And, and as we see this, we got to have the context and the vision of James is setting up this whole narrative. He's setting up this, this whole point of teaching for us to understand the importance of, of living out our faith and not just knowing it. And here's what he says in verse 14 what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save them suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs what good is it in the same way faith by itself if not accompanied by action is dead but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And so James, he's saying, look, I'm glad that you believe the truth. I'm glad that you, you have a knowledge of the truth. But that belief, the way that belief works is to take a step of faith. Take a step of trust. And how that works is every single day, I trust you, God, today. I believe you today. Because knowledge without action isn't faith. Knowledge of, of knowing that God exists and knowing that Jesus is your Savior is not what faith is. Faith is then living in light of that truth. And as we see, James is not saying that you're saved by your deeds, but you are saved because your faith in Christ and when you put your faith in Christ, it moves you to action. It's interesting that he continues on here in these verses, and he gives us two really amazing examples. He gives us first the example of Abraham. Uh, if you don't know the story of Abraham, you can go back to Genesis, and it talks about this man named Abram who God chooses. At the age of 75, God comes to Abram, and he says, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your area of comfort. I want you to go to a place you don't know, and I want you to, to, to follow my directions. And we're told that, that Abraham listens to God. And because of his faith, he is considered righteous. He's considered right with God. 
His faith was action. His faith was leaving and saying, God, you've told me to do this. It'd be one thing for God to say, I want you to do this. And then Abraham does nothing. Then his faith would have been worthless. But it was the fact that Abraham said, you know, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to take my family. And we're told he takes his family, Lot and his family, and they go and they trust God. And their actions reveal the truth of their faith. Their actions reveal their trust in God, their belief that he's going to provide for them. Now, you can sit here, and, and, and as I was reading in this and thinking, well, Abraham's this great guy. Abraham is the pillar. I mean, most religions in the world, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, look at Abraham and say, he is the father. He's the one that started this. He's a great man. He is unique above other people in many ways that, that we don't know other people that lived in Abraham's time. We know him because of the impact that God used in his life. And so maybe you, you're hearing, you're hearing this, this idea of letting to be all in in your faith and you're saying, I can't be all in. I'm, I'm, I, I got too many other things and, and I'm busy and, and, and I, my life is pretty good. I'm a pretty good person and I don't need to worry about these things. I, I'm, I'm set. I have my plan. And you know, Abraham could have said that too. At 75, he's lived 75 years of his life. He could have said, God, I've already, I've already put my time in. I've already done all that. But God showed up at a unique time in his life. Not the time he probably predicted. Not the time he would have guessed or planned for himself. And yet he was obedient in that moment. And maybe right now God is speaking to your heart and, and he's saying, I want you to be all in right now. And maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in your place in life or, or what's happening to you in your job, what's happening to you in your relationships, what's happening to you in your finances. But God's saying, I'm calling you to be all in right now. Because that's the faith that I want you to have. That's the faith I saved you to have. But then James gives us another person to look at, another illustration. This is a powerful illustration. He, he tells us of a woman named Rahab. Rahab, who, who had a very questionable career choice, um, lived in Jericho. And she, uh, she had learned about the Hebrew God somehow and known that he was true. And the spies were sent in. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew spies were sent into Jericho and she made contact with them and she hid them in her home, uh, in her inn. And, and during that time, she said, um, I'm putting my faith in your God. I'm putting my faith and the reason I'm allowing, the reason I'm taking these actions, the reason I'm doing this is because I believe yours is, is the true God and, and he is the one that will save me. He will save my family. And because of her faith, she is the one that, that, that God spares. She is the one that God saves. And we look at the Bible, she is in the lineage, in the book of Matthew. She is one of the great, 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 great grandparents, grandmothers of Jesus because of her commitment and her faith, her action. And, and I think it's not by coincidence that James puts Rahab here because maybe right now you're saying, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I'm involved with. You don't know how dark of a life I've lived or, or, or the ways I've walked away from God and the ways that I've lived my life that I know I can't be forgiven. And, and James is saying, um, your, your forgiveness is not based on you. It's based on Christ. And in that forgiveness, he wants to empower you to do even greater things than you can imagine. But you have to be all in. You have to be willing to forgive yourself of the sins you've committed. You have to be willing to say, I am, I am over my past. I am ready for my future. And James, he's, a, he's really pushing this emphasis is that it's not enough just to, to have a, a, a knowledge of it, a, a thought that, yeah, this is true. 
but that thought has to germinate and has to grow into action. It has to become who you are. And you have to uh, be willing to say, I'm all in. I'm all in with my life. And, and during this time as we're home and we're thinking about our lives and, and, and maybe you're, you know, you're thinking about once this is over, what are you going to do? This is an amazing time to say, I want to be all in. I want to be a 10 on that, 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 that list of from zero to 10 of my faith. I sense God stirring in my heart. I sense him calling me to these things. And so the question I have as we look at James, he, he concludes in verse 26, he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without deeds is dead. Do you want a vibrant life in your faith? Do you want to be alive and moving and, and, and completely uh, committed to the calling God has put on your life? You know, one of the things I think about on a, a regular basis is, God, why did you save me? What did you save me for? What did you save me to? I know you didn't save me just so I can be comfortable. I know you didn't save me just so I can fulfill my pleasure and, and do what I want. I know you didn't just save me so that I can be self-focused and, and just have my own, my own plan for my life. I know you saved me with a purpose. You saved me to be on mission, to be, on, um, to be fully committed to you. And so what is he saying to you this morning? How is he speaking to your heart? Are you ready to be all in? What I want to do is I want to give you four uh, helpful tools on how to be all in. If you're, if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what? I feel God speaking to me. I want to be all in. I want to do this. I want to take the next steps. I want to be completely sold out to my Savior. I want to give you four ways that you can do that. Number one, every morning when you wake up, ask God how you can be all in for that day. I think it's an amazing thing to start the day the genesis, the creation of the day, the beginning of the day by saying, God, help me to be all in today. Help me to love you more and love people more. Starting the day with a focus is a powerful tool that we have that God has given us. The second thing I think is extremely helpful is to organize your life, um, organize your priorities, and um, be willing to calendar uh, in regards to your commitment to being all in. Maybe that's calendaring time of prayer. Maybe that's calendaring times you're going to uh, commit to serving other people, getting involved in, in ministry, uh, whatever it is. Calendaring, being purposeful, prioritizing, being all in, figuring out how that works for you, how that works for your family, how that works within uh, the rhythms of your life, that you can find ways to be very intentional about being all in. Here's another thing that I think, the third tool that I think is so helpful and so important um, be on the lookout for unplanned opportunities. I can tell you in my life and my walk, um, some of the most important opportunities to be all in, to, to show someone care, is when I least expect it. Uh, in this, in the, the, the verses we read, it talks about, you know, there's someone who's hungry and you tell them, well, I hope that works out for you, instead of doing something about it. Yeah, it's not easy to do something about the, the issues that come up in our lives. Yeah, it's not convenient. It's not part of what I want to do on, on that moment. But the truth is, those are powerful moments. Those are opportunities that God has placed in your life. And to be aware of that, that when you go through your day, when something unexpected happens, an opportunity to help someone, an opportunity to serve someone, that that is God's doing. And he is calling you to be all in in those moments, to be... Uh, available to be used at those times. And then the fourth tool that I would encourage you with, and this is such a helpful tool, change your perspective 
It's not have to, but get to. It's not have to. You don't have to serve another person. You don't have to be all in towards God. You don't have to do anything, but you get to do it. You know, I was thinking to myself, as, uh, you know, helping with the laundry, helping with the dishes. I don't have to do those things. I get to do it because I have clothes. I get to do it because we have plates and, and, and we have things that, that are such blessings in life. It's not that you have to do any of this. It's that the freedom, and, and, and James talks about this, the law of freedom, the law that brings us to liberty, that we are freed from the slavery of sin and we are free to tr live truly filled lives. And that means doing, that means action, that means being all in every day. And so if you can change your perspective and every day begin to turn it and say, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity God has given me to have life and to bring life and to reflect him and, and maybe even sometimes to sacrifice to where it hurts because in that sacrifice, I glorify God in a powerful and new way. And so all of these things, these tools and what James is telling us leads us to these personal questions, these questions that reside within us. What will I live for? How does my faith affect my life? What am I really passionate about? What am I all in about? Right now, James was encouraging the people of his time. I'm encouraging you right now. You have an opportunity to be all in. You have an opportunity to give everything that is you over to the Lord. And so what is God revealing to you? What is God showing you right now? What is he saying to your heart? How is he speaking to you? Maybe right now um, you're ready to be all in, and, and this is the first time that you've said, yes, I'm, I'm going to be all in with Jesus. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to uh, believe that he's my savior, and I'm going to allow him to, 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 to lead me. Maybe that's where you are right now. I would encourage you. We have a prayer button that you can uh, connect with someone who will pray with you. We have a connect card at gaten.church connect that you can reach out to us. We want to be part of that journey with you. We want to be part of that, that commitment to being all in. Maybe this morning as you heard this, you need to be recommitted to being all in. Maybe there's a place in your life where you, you said, yeah, I'm all in. This is who I am. This is what my faith is all about. And my faith is real and it's demonstrated every day. Well, maybe right now you just need to recommit and you say, God, I, I want to be back at that place where I'm all in, where, where I, like the dentist, come on in and check everything and, and show me what you have for me. Show me what you, you're calling me to because I want to have true life and I, and I want to be able to, to live for you and be all in for you. Wherever you're at today, whatever God's saying to you, we're a family. He created the church for us to be together, to not do this alone. And we're all in this together. So I would encourage you, reach out. We, we, we say gather large. We're gathering large right now so that we can connect small. We want to connect with you. We want to build relationship with you. We want to be doing this thing together as we gather and talk about these things. And so I encourage you right now, wherever you are, this is that opportunity. Would you take the opportunity to take that next step in whatever God's revealing to you? You know, as... As I, as I see the example of Tom and his, and his family being all in and, and going to Tennessee, and, and I think about my life, um, I, I really see the power of us being connected and partnering together. And my prayer is that we would be all in as a church. And so as we come to the time where we sing together and we worship through the song, 
Uh, we also set aside this time as uh, a time of offering, of being all in with, with what God has entrusted us. If you're watching this and you're just checking us out and, and you're, you're really a guest and I'm glad you're here, there's no expectation for you to give. But if you are part of our family and you're on mission together and we're all in this together, I would encourage you to ask God, what would he have you give? What is he calling you to be obedient with? And with that, with an expectation as we are all in together of seeing God move in powerful ways. That's my expectation. My expectation is God's gonna do amazing things because he's all in for us. We're all in for him. I can't imagine what he's gonna do. And so as we sing, let the Lord speak to your heart, be open to his presence and allow him to move us to action. Let's sing.